0: Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. Schmoke, Detino, you at 201 4513 or hashtag GiantsChat on Twitter. We're blessed to be joined by the great Neelay Shah at the controls. We're going old school. It's like 2009 all over again. Unfortunately, we injured Dave Dominic playing basketball last night at our Giants basketball game. Is that what happened? He strained his calf, yes. Luckily, it was not an Achilles or anything like that. But he, strained
1: he did. calf. Yes, he a strained yet calf. But that prohibits him from working no, on the board. We'll, we'll give him a
0: break. It's the off We want to make sure he's 100% healthy before he comes back to work and, and re injures it. So, Dave will be back. We'll be thanking Eli for giving us a hand today with the show. Of course, it's also the Giants charity golf adding today. So, a lot of people out of the building working that up in Westchester. Um, so, a lot of stuff going on, folks, in the NFL. Um things around the league we could talk about anything on your mind but there were kind of two questions that Paul and I kind of scoped out today from different articles around the internet that we thought were a little bit interesting that we could touch on over the course of today's show. And Paul, let's start with yours, but I think it's a little bit more specific uh to the Giants than mine.
1: Yeah, uh Bleacher Report today put up a posting. They wanted to know uh who would be the breakout player this year for each of the NFL's 32 teams. Now, I think the thing that kind of threw me for a loop is that They said the guy for the Giants, we're going to kick this off right at the top, was Saquon Barkley. And I have a problem with that because he's a rookie. And I don't think a breakout player can be a rookie. I think it's got to be someone who has already put together some type of resume in the league and then suddenly decides that, for whatever reason, he has a kick-butt year. And, and for me, that's what a breakout player is. But, but they picked Saquon Barkley. And that's not to say that Barkley's not going to have a dramatic impact on this team. I'm sure he will. But the question wasn't who's going to be the most impactful player. The question was who's going to be the biggest breakout guy. Yeah, and, and that's the problem to me, too. In order for a
0: player to break out, they have to have a baseline already set in which to break out from. We don't know what Saquon Barkley no. is yet. So how, are you, how is he going to break out when he doesn't even have a baseline level? So let's push that aside and talk about who we think the breakout players might be. And to me, I think there are two guys that you want to talk about here. Um, and obviously, breakout players are usually younger guys. But I think on the Giants' defense, it could be maybe an older guy too because it's a scheme change and maybe it'll, it'll advantage somebody. But I'm going to stick on the offensive side of the ball myself. Okay. And I came down to two guys that I like for the Giants' breakout player this year. Sterling Shepard, who had a really good rookie year and last year, maybe had a little bit of a down year because of some injury issues. He had that ankle he really couldn't get over during the course of the year. And my second player, and I think this is who I'm eventually going to land on, is Evan Ingram, who's coming off a rookie year where he played well, by his own admission, had way too many drops. He talked about at the end of the season something he wants to clean up. But to me in this offense, with Saquon Barkley being a big play threat, excuse me, Odo Beckham Jr. being a big play threat, and both being matchup nightmares, the third stealthy matchup nightmare on this Giants team is Evan Ingram. If you have a lined up as an inline tight end, mm-hmm. and you get him on a, a strong safety that can't move that well, or a linebacker even better, he's going to create a lot of mismatches. So I think in this offense with Pat Shermer, I think Evan Ingram could have a breakout season.
1: Yeah, yeah i i don't think uh, I don't think that's a bad pick at all, John. Uh, when we discussed it this morning, I, I offered you Dowlin Tomlinson. If only because I think as a part-time player last year as a rookie, he showed an awful lot of promise. Sure, he was good. I think even though the Giants want to continue with a defensive line rotation, I think he's going to really make a name for himself as a force on the inside, much like Snacks has. I don't know if he's going to be to the level of Snacks, who has been an NFL All-Pro. As Still hasn't know. been a Pro Bowl yet. No, but has been an NFL All-Pro player. And
0: also wasn't on the NFL 100, which is also a joke. Yeah.
1: Now, I don't know if he's going to reach the All-Pro status right. that, that Snacks has attained, but I think Tomlinson is going to wind up being a premier force in this league. I think you're going to be seeing and hearing a lot of the network-colored commentators doing Giants games saying, look at this Dablin Tomlinson. You know, I just I, – I really – I feel very good about
0: him. See, now, here's the problem with it. Just because I know how it works, you could be absolutely right and nobody will notice it. Like, he could play really, really well, but because he's not. I'm ranking, a Trenches guy. Because he's not. You, you don't know, Trenches guys notice. He's not bringing sack numbers I up. Know. He's not getting all these glory plays. And I he's know. just doing the dirty work. Some people might not notice it. But yeah, I could see him having a big step up. Um,. I think B.J. Goodson has a chance, too. You know, he we thought last year might have been his breakout year, but then again, the injuries really kind of limited him, especially in the middle of the year. But if he can figure out especially a way to cover a little bit better, and we saw a little bit of that towards the end of last year, um, I think he's a guy that if he figures out a way to be a three-down linebacker next to Alec Ogletree – that's another guy I think could be a breakout yeah. performer for the Giants. On the I'm going
1: to give you one other guy, and it's going to be on the offensive side of the ball, and it's going to come with an asterisk okay. because it's going to require you to stretch your belief a little bit. I thought Red Ellison was terribly underused last season, terribly underused. I don't think he nearly saw enough snaps. I don't think he was nearly enough a part of the offense. And so, I think Red Ellison is going to be a much more productive player now, does that qualify him as a breakout player? I don't know that's why it's kind of a, a gray fine. area for me, but I expected to see a ton of him, especially right. after the preseason he had
0: yeah, and He's very then, quiet.
1: again he there were times he barely got on the field.
0: yeah, a fan tweeted me the other day and they said they thought Red Ellison was a bust and and i i I, that's I, not fair. I thought about trying to engage, but there are no stats that can back up my opinion, because if you look at just the numbers, yeah, you could argue Ellison was a bust, but look, he was a good blocker, he he did what he was asked, and he was very underutilized, because the Giants, frankly, didn't use a a lot of 12 personnel. They were 11 personnel for the majority of the year, so Ellison maybe didn't get on the field as much as uh, some people thought he would, so uh, again, I think calling him a bust last year is too strong, but I, I do think he should have more of a role this year.
1: Yeah, I would hope so. Uh, I'm I'm looking up the snap counts, and just to give you an idea, this is a guy who, you remember, at, at during the preseason, even Ben McAdoo said this guy might be the best pure football player we have on the team. He loved he loved Red Ellison, yeah. and then inexplicably did not give him a lot of snaps. And I'm going to give you the number here, John. I know, I know. I guess uh, what is it? PFF has uh, has them. I know. I go to Pro Football Reference for All my snap counts. Oh, good. And I'm going to go here just to find. Ellison, and where is he? Oh my goodness, he only played forty nine point six percent of the offensive snaps. How many did Ingram play? Seventy Ingram played seventy one point seven. Just curious. Well, I, I remember, mean,
0: even Roger Lewis played a higher percentage of snaps than Ellison. Then again, because the, the injuries otherwise. the Well, so yeah, but
1: but, but but Red Ellison, hmm. to me. Was significantly underutilized, and that's all I want to say about okay, that. And I fine. think he'll have a bigger role.
0: The Giants would love to see Darian Thompson have a breakout year at safety, or for someone to have a breakout year at safety next to Landon Collins. But would we'll love see to if see that. Do
1: it. Would love to see that, and that, and he certainly qualifies because yeah, he had sure. a quiet season last year. All right, around the league, real quickly, breakout yeah. players. I, I, know thought they go, I thought you were just going to I thought you were just going to take the uh, NFC East.
0: Eh, you know what? I'm just going to pick out guys. I think around the league that could kind of. Break out, Paul, and I think could really make names for themselves this year. Um, Guys that I think have really could step up. I'll go to the two draft picks last year. I think maybe Solomon Thomas on the Niners and Miles Garrett Mm -hmm. on the Browns. Mm -hmm. I think those two guys are guys that could have big years. I did not like the wide receiver class last year. But I bet you one of the three of Corey Davis, Mike Williams, or John Ross. And I, I lean much more towards Corey Davis and Mike Williams. I wouldn't be surprised if one of those two guys had a very good year. And the Titans would love it to be Corey Davis because Mario <laughs> yeah. really needs a consistent wide receiver to throw the ball to. Um, Patrick Mahomes could have a breakout year for the Chiefs with their, as their starting quarterback. I agree with Mahomes. I think, I think that could be a, a good one there.
1: Um, course, he didn't play very much last year, well, so that's also that's one of those asterisk picks. True, but
0: yeah, that's a fair point. Jonathan Allen on the Redskins, who I, I think played what one or two games last year before he got hurt. Yeah, Jonathan Allen again. That's another guy I like from last year that cameo, came out. Cameo action. Oh, and the uh, the Eagles second round pick, the corner out of Washington, that was out the whole year with the Achilles, who came back at the very end. The name escapes me. Mm. Any recollection there, Paul? I can, I no. think he was a second round pick. I could bring that you up. You lost Hold on me. One second. Um, I'm looking for the name. Looking for the name. I know this is great radio, guys. I appreciate it. Um, Sidney Jones, the cornerback out of Washington, who's going to be a first-round pick. And remember, at his pro day, yes, he popped his Achilles. I think that's another guy that could come back this year and have a uh, big-time, um, bounce-back year. Now, anybody that
1: jumps out at you around the league that you think I, I have one guy who I just to me just sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah, um, Kenyon Drake, running back for the Dolphins. I think he, he really did some great things at the end of last season. And, you know, Tannehill is, is proven now he is not the answer. And so they got to run the ball a lot. And I do think the Dolphins have a lot of young talent there. And for me, I just I think he's going to be up amongst the rushing leaders this year. I think he's a really good player. He was That's very my
0: talented That's my coming guy. out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember, he was in the same – class that year, and I'm trying to remember the other big-time running back he came out with. I think it was with Fournette, and Fournette might have he might have actually been a, a recruit on the same level um, as Fournette. But Stills was going to, remember, he was going to be, um, Drake, rather, was going to be um, the starting running back there, and then he tore up his knee on the opening kickoff Correct. one year. Correct. And then he yielded the position to, I'm sorry, it was Derrick Henry at Alabama, and then Derrick Henry took over, Henry was and he ended up being the uh, the starting quarterback there. The only thing I would worry about with Drake Paul is that they drafted Kalen Ballage and they signed Frank Gore, so I think he is gonna be a I think he's gonna be a timeshare running back. Unfortunately,
1: especially uh, with Gore there, I think Gore is is insurance. I think I think he's what Jonathan Stewart is for the Giants. I think he's a character guy and I think he's insurance. Okay. I, think, I think Drake is going to wind up being the guy who gets the bulk of that. By the time they get into the third or fourth game of the season, my hunch is he's going to be their lead back.
0: All right, you know what? I'm going to save my question anyway. for later in the show sure. if we get long calls or maybe another show because I think this is a good way to start, and we got a full bank of calls. Let's, Let's get to go. it, Paul. 201-939-4513. And, by the way, I know we didn't get to your tweet, tweets yesterday at hashtag Giants Chat. I do have them locked and loaded. I'll get to yesterday's questions and we'll do questions from today as well. But we'll start off with Christian in New York. He's our first caller on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hi, Christian.
2: Hey, guys. I haven't had a chance to call about the draft. I feel like it's a total home run. It seems like at least five of them are going to be contributors like sooner than later for this team. And having Webb and Valletta, I feel like the chances of having to draft a quarterback high in the near future aren't you know, are pretty slim, so, you know, I just, I love the direction that this draft sent the team in, but um, I have to say that Landon Collins is starting to scare me a little bit because he seems a little too willing to go the extra mile, and it seems like the media is just going to start baiting him at this point, and, you know, it just, it seems like, you know, and I know Shermer already talked about it, so that definitely helps, but, you know, I, I just hope that he kind of takes that warning from Shermer.
1: The fine extra mile for me. You said he he's not willing to go the extra mile. No, Def- no, no. He said he's going the
0: extra mile. Oh, he's I going. think. Because remember, Pat Shermer talked about it the other day in terms of him commenting about Eric Flowers' situation. Doesn't want
1: players talking think, about other players.
0: And I think Christian, I don't want to speak for you. Uh, that's what you meant,
2: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's going too far with. His comments about other players, and it's really just not helping. And, you know, Christian. Here's the you know, thing:
0: I think there's really a fine line. I appreciate what he's trying to do. He's trying to be a leader, and he's trying to talk to these guys individually and get through to them individually. And then I guess what his thought process is: Well, if that hasn't worked. Then maybe if I say something publicly, it'll motivate them to do whatever. I agree. I don't think it's helpful, but I do think if you go back, Paul, to other veteran players that are leaders veteran players and leaders of teams have called out teammates before in the media to get messages across. It has happened before. Yeah. It's not unprecedented, but I'm with Pat Shermer, uh, head coach Pat Shermer. Mm-hmm. I think Paul's as well that obviously you want to keep all that stuff in-house.
1: Yeah, I, you know, he wants to set the law down right from the get-go that he doesn't want players to be quoted in the paper talking about their teammates. No, exactly. I, and I understand you the philosophy. Yep. And However, I also don't think Collins is a bad guy no. for doing what he did. I think he really intentionally – was trying to show leadership skills, to to try to affect something to happen positive, like shake shaking the bushes a little bit. I agree. But intentions aside, Pat Shermer wants to install a very clean set of rules. Yep. We're not going to talk about teammates, and you have to respect it. And that's the best way to go about things. You yep. want to keep people's to, to
0: use the colloquial expression, keep other people's names out of your mouth. Let's go to um, okay. Let, let's go to J W in Florida. J W Europe next. What's going on, pal?
2: Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? We're great, J Dub. How are you? Good. I got a, just a couple of questions. Number one, do you think that the uh, third wideout is on the club now, or are they going to do something else and try to get somebody else? And I think the third. Is- I think the
0: third wideout, J Dub, is on the roster right now, and. They'll let whomever the best receiver is in that room after Beckham and Shepard earn that spot. I don't expect another significant signing, maybe at the end of camp, but I wouldn't think anything before training camp. Yeah,
1: I think Corey Latimer has a foot up on everybody else. Yeah. Uh, we know that uh, you know his receivers coach at Denver uh, certainly gave him a thumbs up. Ty Tolbert, he followed him. That is Coach Tolbert to the Giants, and there must be a reason for that, in addition to him being a really good special teams player.
0: And he's 6'2", he's a little bit bigger than the other guys do. Yes,
1: so he, he has a leg up, but that doesn't mean that they won't be uh, looking on the radar for another guy at some point in time yep. before the 53 is finalized. Question two, J-Dub.
3: And the other one is, could you just tell me a little bit about what, who the offensive line coach is and what his strengths are and uh, what you think of him um, as a fit in the,
2: with the club?
0: Thanks, j Doug. Appreciate the call. Uh, Hal Hunter, look, he's been around the league a very long time. Um, we talked to him probably about a month ago. I think it was the beginning of, of yeah. April. And he talked about how last year he did not work for an NFL team. Uh, he had worked for uh, probably a half-dozen NFL teams before that, I would say, give or take. Um, most recently, I think, with Cleveland mm-hmm. and I think Indianapolis, too, recently. Um, he's a guy that last year, I, what I liked about it, he took the time and he went and visited other teams and yes. the coaches and kind of learned to see what they did at those spots. And he'll hopefully that'll turn into um, better production and a more consistent unit with the Giants. And I have noticed he does a little bit different in terms of the drills that we saw from Flaherty, that we saw from Solario, and they were here. The drills are a little bit different, especially with you know focusing on the punch and the hands with like the uh, you know the, the sparring gloves. Yeah, exactly. So
1: a little bit different. He's a, a, a rather diminutive fellow in stature, <laughs> a little bit older. He's in Lance now. All right, <laughs> let's not make it out that way. Lance needs maybe a fruit cart to get yeah, up to Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, quite honestly, he's a soft-spoken, even-keel, very methodical teacher kind of guy. He's got an edge to him, though, too. You don't want to get him angry. No, but he's not a screamer by nature. No. So that's a little bit about him.
0: Yeah, so the Giants hope that he can put this offense line together and have a real nice unit. Vic in Florida, line four. What's up, Vic? How are you?
4: Hey, John and Paul. How are you guys doing today? Hello. Long time no speak, Vic. Yeah, listen, I got a couple of things. Um, a breakout year for the Giants, believe it or not, is going to be Goleman, okay? Simply because Saquon Barkley is going to make everybody else that much better. Now, number
0: two. Yeah, but Vic, 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 real quick. If yes. Goldman's not on the field when Barkley is. How is Barkley going to make Goldman better? Because he's going to be motivated by by Sackman Barkley
4: because he's going to be he's going to have a great year and he's going to compete, try to do uh, not match him but try to do his best as a running back. Wake will give. I'll,
1: and, g- uh, I'll give you. He's
4: good. I think he's going to have a good year.
1: I'll give you a crumb here, and that is, uh, if if Goldman, who was a touchdown monster uh, when he was in college. Uh, If he turns into the goal line back, because as John has expressed to me before, you know Barkley's not necessarily known for pushing the pile inside the two-yard line. Well, if Goleman seems to find a way to sniff out the end zone and slither his way through with high efficiency, there's a possibility. Goleman could lead this team in rushing touchdowns this year with relatively few carries because he could wind up being the goal line back. That's a possibility. And and if you I want agree. to call that as a breakout, well then that's fair. Okay, no. I don't know what's gonna happen, but it's not out of the question. Remember, yeah, Jonathan Stewart's there too, which makes it a little bit more complicated. Not out of the question right. though. Okay.
4: My second my second thing, I'm sorry I got a cold. That's okay. Uh, my second thing in the draft on the draft, the, I would have picked as uh the last pick I would have gone for another offensive lineman rather than a defensive tackle. Do you agree with that or
5: not? Well,
0: we were doing the draft show, and then there were two offensive linemen. I think Crosby was still on the line, so on the board in round
1: five, right? So Crosby, Crosby and Jones, and Jones, both right after the Giants in round and, five. And
0: those are guys that Paul and I, frankly, had picked out as far back as round three. So those are guys we talked about on that Saturday as a as a potential pick there. But look, Dave Gettleman knows how to how to evaluate and draft people that play up front. So I will obviously yield to his expertise there. But I, I get where you're coming from, Vic. I think it was more of a need. But here's the thing, okay. and, 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 and I wrote an article on Giants.com about this. Dave Gettleman doesn't give two you-know-whats about need. He's going to pick the best player, and as much, as he, as, as, much as he loves hog on the offensive line, his draft history shows you he actually likes picking defensive linemen more than he does offensive linemen.
4: Okay. Well, listen, you guys, thank you very much for taking my call. I appreciate you guys. I watch your show every day, and the Giants going to go all the way. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you, Vic. Thanks, Vic. We,
0: we appreciate you being part of the show, listening, and giving us a call. I want to get to a couple um, tweets from yesterday, Paul, that I didn't get to, and then we'll get okay. back to your phone calls at 201-939-4513. Uh, we had a caller yesterday that compared Barkley's style to Barry Sanders. Remember that call? I do remember the well, call. Well, James Jones at Lil... Underscore TNT 32. Would you say he's a bigger version of LaShawn McCoy? And someone else, and I believe Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus had that comparison a couple months ago back around the combine, and I thought it was very, very strong. McCoy is a guy that likes to bounce, he's a guy that makes big plays, he's an excellent receiver out of the backfield. And boy, he's a heck of a player. So I have no problem with a bigger version of of LaShawn McCoy as a comparison for Saquon Barkley. I think it's kinda of right on the money, to be honest with you.
1: I'm still preferential to uh the Marshall Falk, Thurman Thomas, and Roger Craig comparisons, to be honest. Uh, I I don't have a problem comparing him to those guys. You just want
0: to come, you don't want to compare him to a former Eagle.
1: Well, no, I'm also <laughs> I'm also partial to the old fellas. I know. You know, I, I mean, old-school well, guy. I'm, gonna, I'm going back a few years. A lot of our
0: younger fans that are listening probably I don't know Roger it. Craig and Thurman Thomas. I I'm trying to it. give a more modern comparison. I
1: know, I know, I understand, but I'm always going to favor the old guys. It's just me. I
0: just, I think in terms of style, it makes a good point. Because McCoy I does like to bounce and things like that. I So I, I think understand. that makes sense.
1: Here's another and question. by the way, McCoy was a real pain in the butt. He still is. <laughs> yeah. You know it's funny? He's one of
0: those guys that I thought might kind of tail off quicker? Because a lot of times if you, you rely on bounce and speed and quickness, you'll decline a little bit quicker. He's done a heck of a job, man. I mean, he's probably going to, what, his ninth year? Yeah, now LaShawn McCoy and he is still one. And he's staying healthy, too. It's not like he's missing no. seven, eight games a year. He's been a terrific player. He's he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. Could be by the time he's done. Probably. Alright, this is a question on the defense, Paul. Do you think Betcher's scheme will try to match JPP's production with players like Carter, Martin, etc.? This mentality reminds me of Billy Bean's Moneyball approach, trying to match batting production with less expensive products. Your thoughts?
1: Uh, it's an interesting comparison to pull up the Billy, Be- Billy Bean baseball uh, philosophy, and that is from Dom DeFalco, by the way. Sorry, I don't think it has anything to do with the Bean philosophy because the Bean philosophy uh, also equates and puts e- economy into the package, and I don't think I don't think Betcher gives two hoots about economy. Betcher is all about confusion. He's about uh, not showing any trends. He's about making sure that you dictate to the other guy across the line of scrimmage what what he's going to be able to do based on the stuff you're going to throw at him, right. and you're going to make him overthink. Um, to me, it's more that than it is. Looking at the economy value and looking at the uh, collective stats of a particular group of players, and saying they're going to have to replace what JPP did, I just think it's a philosophical thing more than it is a particular fit. One other Saquon comp for, from Ben Gruen, he brings
0: up Bo Jackson, and this is a, it's important here. He says not in run style, right, but in terms of size plus freakish speed at that size, and I think in terms of an elite athlete, sure. Compared to Bo, but not the way the two guys run, as he points out.
1: I don't remember exactly what Bo Jackson ran, so let me see if I can well, find. I, I
0: guarantee that. You he was one of the best athletes of his era. Whatever his combine numbers and yeah. other things. What might did have he been. run?
1: What did he run? Let's see. Bo Jackson ran. Uh, there's a story here. Oh man, <laughs> he ran a. <laughs> what do you want to? F- Jackson ran a four-one-two. Online sources said Jackson had a four one two at the 1986 combine. Then notice the National Invitational Cat, not even called the combine yet. Four one two, and the problem the problem is it was un it was unconfirmed and nothing's official. And they're right. saying that it's not official. But many reporters, including Dave Raffo, who I knew from UPI for many 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 years, he covered boxing and a lot of other sports. Uh, you know, two is yeah, uh, pretty good. You remember, it's the insane. Old, remember the old story. It's what it is. Remember the
0: old story about Dion? He he ran the forty wearing remember those old, like yes. super colorful Fresh bel yes. Air jackets? Yes, yes. He, he wore one of one of those and they said, Dion, why'd you wear the jacket when you ran your forty? He said, Oh, it's like a parachute so I can stop at the end of the run. Um, cool two other <laughs> tweets from yesterday I want to get to real quick. We talked about um Eric Flowers and how his pressure is allowed according to Pro Football Focus has gone down consistently okay. over the past okay. couple years. Yeah. And um Jorge Cano points out, and I think that's a good point from him, that Eli Manning's 2.4-second release time probably last year, getting, at, getting the ball out quicker, probably had something to do with the reduced number of pressures allowed, and I think that's probably a fair point.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing about that. Uh, Eli's release time is an across-the-board philosophical change that they made because the entire line was not as good as they wanted it to be. It wasn't specifically designed for flowers. Absolutely, but I think
0: it's fair to say, though, that Eli probably got rid of the ball quicker last year than he did the two prior seasons.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's the case. I I didn't clock any of that. I would be interested to know, um, and and I have, again, I have the the sack numbers. I don't have the pressure numbers uh, that they keep. I I would think there's a chance that Flowers didn't even have a team high in pressures. I wouldn't be shocked if there was someone else on the team who allowed more. I can for example, Bobby Hart.
0: And I will check that when we go to our next call. Let's go to Coach Marvin in Delaware on line two. Mr. Shah, Coach Marvin, what's up?
6: How you doing, guys? What's up, Coach? Hi. Hey, I just called him uh, to give my breakout season. Um, go ahead. I'm more of a give up my players for the breakout season. And uh, I'm more of an underdog guy. Yep. So, my uh, two guys, i got one in the defense and one in the offense. Sure. You might think them crazy, but I believe in both of these guys, that they can turn it around. The first one is Eli Apple. I think uh, Eli does have man skills. All you have to do is turn that around into ball skills a yeah, little bit. Yeah, Marvin, I, I,
0: almost, I don't disagree with you. I almost think that's more of a comeback season than it would be a breakout I season. I agree. Because we saw him play really well at the end of his rookie year. You know what I
1: mean? I thought he should have been an all-rookie pick in the league, quite yeah. frankly. I, he played extremely well and lived up to his potential as a number one pick. So I, I'm with John on that. I'd say if you wanted to put him in the comeback category, I'd be more inclined to do so.
6: I, I kind of like I can kind of agree with you. I'm not gonna say you're wrong, but I still say it because it, it was his rookie year. He had a good year. No, I'm that's talking fair. breakout year. That's you fair. You're gonna see something that was better. I believe it'll be better than his rookie year. So that's why I kind of categorize him as a uh, breakout year. Uh, but I can understand what you're coming from um, saying as a comeback. But uh, I, 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 I would rather see him do a lot better. He didn't play the ball. Too well, but he does play man very well. So I like mm-hmm. to see that okay, uh, well, he improvement. Got. And the other ones uh, might knock some people off, socks off a little bit, but I, I I think this is the this is the time. I I think Eric Flowers uh, coming in with a, may come in with a different attitude. He showed up this week, and I, I I think we we already you already talked about it yesterday about him improving. I think breakout season for Eric. This, this is money time. Sometimes when money time comes, these guys all of a sudden start playing.
1: So this, He wouldn't be the is. first guy who uh, did very well in the final year of a contract. And, Coach, just remember, he's, we, we can talk about it. He's
0: got, and We talked about it going to last season. We thought it could be a huge, huge step for him. I think it ended up being a much, much smaller step than a lot of people mm-hmm. would have hoped. Um, yes. so We'll have to come out, and he'll have a chance to do it, and he'll have a chance to win the job. We'll see
1: what he does. Put it this way, uh, Coach. He will have – a big O opportunity to be the guy that he needs to be. There's no question about that. Just like the last three years. No doubt. Right, right.
6: I I agree with that. I think he got, uh, you know, he got an agent in his corner that, you mean, he could be a little controversial back in his time, but I think he'll be an agent that can light a fire around him a little bit. Different coaching staff as far as the offensive line. And, you know, again, that this is really a prove it year for his career. Yep. I mean, it, 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 he's got to come out. And um, I, I think he's going to come out. And uh, he's going he, to prove, I'm not saying all star, but uh, you're going to be a definitely
0: improvement. We'll see. That'd Thank be you good, Coach. Marvin. Appreciate it. it. Yeah, Appreciate the call, buddy.
1: John, the only thing I would say that, that definitely has changed with Eric Flowers is now Drew Rosenhaus is representing him. He now has an official. NFL agent doing so instead of being handled by a family member and Drew Rosenhaus for whatever you think about him he's a very smart businessman he's a professional and he is a professional and he knows what he's doing and if if he is able to get through to Eric Flowers and understand that he can only enhance his value by coming in and playing well that that potentially could be a voice that does turn around uh, Flowers's career
0: I agree um, by the way Eric Flowers played more snaps than any other Giants offensive lineman last year for one. He played 1,000 snaps. He allowed right. 27 pressures. Bobby Hart in just 523 snaps, so only, only half, right. allowed 23. Or 25. I'm sorry. So even though it was two less, the rate was obviously much higher. Right. And believe it or not, Pugh in just 436 snaps actually allowed 20. Remember, he was at a right tackle a bit in between his injuries towards the end of the year, and he wasn't 100%. So Correct. just another number out there. Here's another one of the real interesting one for you. Just looking at the pro football focus grading here. Keep in mind, their grades are cumulative. So the more your positive gaming game out, the more your grades are going to go up. They stack, you know what I mean? So if you're a okay. plus one for five straight games, you have a plus five grade for the year. That's kind of how it works. Just so you, just okay. so you understand when I ask the question. Okay. Who do you think the highest graded Giants player was on offense last year?
1: Probably Sterling Shepard. He was the... Third,
0: highest. Okay, there are two guys better than him. Number well, one, I, and it was a blowout. It wasn't close. Well, I'm. I'm
1: they had to like Brett Jones.
0: Brett Jones. They, they were not. They're not as big on Brett Jones, but it's one of your guys though. Red Ellison. Okay. Because of his run blocking, that was the, the number one grade on the Giants' offense because of his the extent, and he had the best run block grade on the whole team, better and, than any offensive again, lineman.
1: A gentleman who was not nearly utilized as often as he should have. Been. Just throwing it out there. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three.
5: I got a bad feeling about this.
7: Hallelujah. Losing his mind. Mr. Illness. He wasn't right in the Enough jokes. I am happy. You're Madman. Here we go. Charlie in Portland, Maine, is up next. Hi, Charlie. Hey, Paul. Hey, John. What's hey, up, how's it going, back. Charlie? It's good. Hey, I got a a breakout player and a breakdown player. A breakdown player, <laughs> okay. Of course, of course you
0: have the breakdown player.
7: Let's <laughs> let's start positive, okay? All right, I think the the breakout player is actually going to be Mr. Dion, Mr. diminutive of the cornerback. I think he's going to actually stick on the 53 and I think he's going to play really well in the slot on uh, whenever we need him. I think the guy's got the attitude. And I just think he needs a chance to show it. And uh, hopefully they'll give him the opportunity since our cornerback situation is a little uh, weak. Uh, hopefully, uh, I just think he's going he's gonna to have a breakout year. Well, I just
0: noticed. you notice that Charlie and Dave Gettleman say cornerback almost the same way? Yeah, they do. <laughs>
1: uh, I, I will say this, Charlie. Dante Dion could really help himself an awful lot. Because, you know, uh, Grant Haley from Penn State, uh, one of the uh, undrafted rookie free agents who came in here, is also 5'9". And to me, only one 5'9 corner is going to make this team. You're not going to have two 5'9 guys. It just doesn't make enough sense with the size in this league. So first thing that Dante Deion's got to do is win that spot. Because Haley's going to try to challenge him. Now, special teams is going to be a big deal there. Because the guy who's really kicking butt, in punt and kickoff coverage, you know, maybe the guy who gets a leg up on that spot, yeah. Then you can right. start talking about what he might do in the sub package. But let let's see what happens in that special teams battle between those two guys.
7: And they also gave uh, Gray, I think his name's Gray, the guy you just talked about. They gave him a hundred dollar signing bonus, so uh, they think something Haley, of the guy Haley from is Penn his name State. from yeah. Penn State. Yeah, yeah, the guy from Penn State. Uh, my uh, breakdown player. It's got to be Mr. Eric Flowers. Now I don't know if Hell Hunter—I mean, Mr. Hunter—has any hair, because if he does, he ain't going to have any when uh, he doesn't Eric have Flowers much. He's like me, you know, because <laughs> he's got to pull it all out. Because there's no way. Look, remember what Akosi said. He said the offensive line is like five fingers in uh, for like a glove. Yep. And if you have one missing, the whole glove is useless. We can't go into this season with four great players or good players on the offensive line and then have someone terrible as our right tackle. So they've got to address that. They have to find somebody who is adequate, solid, right tackle are good or the whole money that we gave Solder the you know the rookie we brought in Hernandez ain't gonna make a bit of difference all right, Charlie, we're gonna have one guy missing
1: I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask you to be patient here for just a second because we sure. all understand that the Giants right tackle spot is going to need to be better this season no one is going to dispute that whether or not it's Flowers Wheeler or somebody else who we haven't even talked about it, that's not relevant here. What is relevant is that the spot gets better. Now, the right side, it didn't work much last year, and partially because Red Ellison did not play enough snaps. So, Bobby Hart, as he was drowning over there, he wasn't getting much help. We know what kind of blocker Red Ellison is. He came here with a really good reputation. Red Ellison's going to be on top of the right shoulder of the right tackle this year, a heck of a lot more than he was last season, which means he will be helping with combo blocks, with blocks off the edge, and that right tackle doesn't necessarily have to be this high on the charts. He's just got to be okay because Red Ellison will help him. Keep that in mind, okay? Please. No,
7: I, I understand that, but I just hate having to have a babysitter for a guy that is just adequate. You know, I think we need to get somebody by, by June when the mandatories happen because, as you all know, the offensive line needs syncopation, they need to be in sync, and you can't bring somebody in on the September 1st cuts to do that. Right. So I hope they bring in a veteran for mandatory just to compete if he doesn't win it out, fine, but we got to bring somebody out to compete because right now we just have Flowers and Wheeler, and, uh, and you said Gates is going to be at guard, so the only other guy is the guy from Missouri who's a project. So they have to bring in uh, a vet, and, well, we'll and Gates has got to understand that. He, he's smart enough to know that. He, I uh,
1: you know what? Thank I you guarantee you that Gettleman's radar
7: Oh, of course. Is,
1: is on the lookout for anybody who could help the competition at that spot. Paul, what are the, the three toughest positions
0: to find in the NFL? Quarterback, defensive end, offensive tackle. Three toughest ones to find in today's NFL. You can't find pass rushers on the street. You can't find <laughs> offensive uh, especially tackles, especially in a street, bargain. <laughs> and you can't find quarterbacks on the street.
1: You can't. But but it's again, really, really hard. Please, Charlie, understand. Ellison will be viewed at, I believe, as more of, of, of an extension of that offensive line this year, just like Howard Cross was. Talk to Howard about this. How, uh, you know, I, I Do not you remember when Howard was in his prime? Howard blocked Reggie White on his own, if you ask him. No, <laughs> ha- Howard <laughs> Cross was was one of the best pure he blocking was, yes. tight ends the NFL has seen and in the last frankly, 30 years. If
0: you if he was coming out, and, and I love Howard, all jokes aside, if he was coming out in the draft today, he probably wouldn't even be a tight end. He'd be an offensive tackle. Yeah, right. be honest. I'm, I'm not even joking. No,
1: I, I, I get like, it. You
0: watch Howard walk through the cafeteria, he looks a lot more like the offensive tackles here than he oh, does, he does. The tight ends. He does.
1: But, but especially the last few years when Howard was here, you know, the, the deal was Parcells basically made him an extension of the offensive line. And so, in effect, you had five and a half, if you will, offensive linemen on every play. Howard's not a half anything, by the way. <laughs> this is true. I don't <laughs> want to slight him. But the point <laughs> remains – Count Ellison as half of an offensive lineman on the shoulder of the right tackle. Which means, by the way, Charlie, when you said, you know, adequate's not good enough, actually adequate is good enough from the right tackle spot if that's the weakest link on your line. How many teams in the NFL would like to say that the weakest link on their line is just adequate? That would actually be very
0: good. Well, it depends how you look at adequate. If you consider adequate average, then yeah, that's great. But I think if the Giants, I think that the Giants could sign up for an average performance out of their league average right tackle this year. I think they'd sign on the dotted line Absolutely, today. No absolutely. Question. Let's go to Rick in Tampa. He's up next. Rick, line two. How are you, buddy? Guys,
5: how are you guys? We're good. Hi. you know, first time uh, calling in since the draft and everything, and. Uh, I mean, breakout player, you know, just to chime in on that. I, I believe what, what you guys said, Evan Ingram, I think that'll be the case as well. I think he's due for a big year with this offense. But two quick points. Uh, one regarding the draft, um, I mean, love everything about the draft. and e- regarding Eli, I love Eli. Eli doesn't have to be superstar Eli of the past. He just has to be good. With the offensive weapons he's got, uh, I'm excited for the way he's going to play, and I think he just has to be out there, play smart, and he's going to—they're going to score a lot of points. Yeah, Rick, I would say the
0: word for Eli this year is efficient. mm -hmm. He needs to—he needs to not make mistakes and be accurate. Throw the ball where it has to go and let guys yep. make plays for him. That's it. Right.
5: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, regarding and, and I'm not too concerned about. I think they made good, uh, good uh, signings, and I think the offensive line is going to be is going to be good this year. It's going to be good enough. It's going to be good. I'm excited about that. But I think you just brought it up. I think the problem that we didn't address and is going to be a problem is defensive end, a pass rusher. Somebody for sacks. We don't really have that. It is. And I think if we can't get to the quarterback consistently, we haven't in the past. I mean, Vernon, you know, he's great and stuff, but he's not a true defensive end. And where do you see that's going to come from for the team uh, on the defensive side? Because I think that's the part that we really don't have a number one defensive end.
0: Rick, look, I I think Vernon is a real good quality defensive end pass rusher. Now, is he going to going to Give you the 18 sacks or 17 sacks that you know Von Miller will get you, a Cleo Mack. No, he's not going to go that high, but he'll, he'll he'll give you borderline double digits. He'll give you around 10 if you look at his career average. You know, somewhere mm-hmm. between eight and 10 based on what he's done over the course of his career. But the question is, who's the other guy? Um, and right. when your number one guy isn't a Von Miller or Cleo Mack, it needs to be more of a team effort. You know, another guy that's going to give you, you know, let's say seven to nine mm-hmm. or six to eight on the other side, or eight to 12. And I think right now. It's going to be a bit of a pass rush by committee, for lack of a better term. I think Kareem Martin will get some shots there. I think Avery Moss will get some shots there. I think rookie Lorenzo Carter will get some shots there. Mm -hmm. And they'll roll different guys
5: in. Don't you think that their defensive pick in the draft after they took Trent and the lineman should have been a defensive end pass rusher, not the the way they went with. Well, uh, I think it was a quarterback or linebacker. Carter uh, is. I think. Ogletree.
0: I think, Rick, you have to expand your thinking a little bit and don't mm-hmm. look at in Betcher's defense. You need a defensive end to rush the passer. Carter is a pass rusher. He's he's an edge player, and I, I think. That's kind of the hybrid term that's been thrown around in the draft Mm -hmm. the last few years where you're not really looking at, oh, he's a defensive end. He's a 3-4 outside linebacker. He's an edge rusher. You're in um, nickel and sub-package 70% of the time now, and he will Mm -hmm. be a guy either rushing from a stand-up position or have his hand in the dirt as a pass rusher in sub package. So to me, that's your pass rusher in the draft, even though he might not be your traditional quote unquote okay. defensive end. You know what I mean?
5: Okay. All right. All right. That was just the one concern. But I'm looking forward to this 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 uh this this season and I don't want to skip summer and i don't want to skip the baseball and everything that we're going on now but i can't wait i can't wait till they uh, start uh, ba- uh training and they're ready to go because I'm, I'm excited for what this team's going to do this season so i'm I'm looking forward to it keep up the work great show as usual thank you buddy
0: hey and if you want to call the talk yankee baseball we can do that too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah i i agree in 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 basic principle to what john said about the sacks but let me reverse uh the, the questioning for a moment he was asking about eli One of the reasons why all of these quarterback rankings and efficiency stats are saying that Eli really had a subpar down year last year is because when you look at his touchdown to interception ratio and you look at his average yards per attempt and reception, those stats were way, way down. Of course. But his completion percentage was not. He was getting rid of the ball quick enough and one of the quickest releases in the game because he needed to be. And so here's the deal. Look at the receivers he had to throw to all year. Is it any wonder that his touchdown pass numbers were down? Is it any wonder that his yards per attempt and yards per catch were down? There wasn't anybody on this team outside of Evan Ingram and sometimes Sterling Shepard who would get at a yardage after a catch. Hey, what do we say? What do we say? I asked you this straight out two weeks ago. So those guys crippled
0: his numbers. Sure they did. I asked you two weeks ago, Paul, and this is what I said to you. Eli's got everything he could ever want this year. He does. See how he does. You'll be fine. The proof is in the pudding. Um, a couple other tweets real quick from It's Shermering in here. Uh, he wonders about the transition for Flowers from left to right tackle, and he quotes Brian Baldinger. Try brushing your teeth with your left hand if you're right-handed and see how it goes. So, And I don't think that should be underplayed. He hasn't played right tackle since his freshman year in Miami. That now would be five years mm-hmm. ago, and it's going to be an adjustment. So – Look, I think Wheeler, and he expects Wheeler to win that job. I think Wheeler's got a shot at it. I think, obviously, Flowers is the more gifted athlete. That's why he was a first-round pick, obviously. And we'll see if he can make that adjustment and, and improve his technique on that side enough where he can beat out Wheeler for the job and he'll have a chance to compete. That's kind of what we've been talking about.
1: Well, you know, I I do think that at this point in time, if Eric Flowers has been reading the papers, and undoubtedly he has, he understands that that's where he's going to be. Remember, though. So whatever workouts he's been doing on his own down in Florida, I would like to believe that he has been training as a right tackle. I I don't know that. You would hope so. Which, you know, he's not coming in here, I don't think, cold turkey. I'd like to believe – that he has he has been training at right tackle. And by the way, in 2012, you mentioned when he played uh, right tackle at Miami, played all 12 of his games at right tackle uh, at the University of Miami in 2012, made four starts as a true freshman. Right? Okay. So it's not like he hasn't done it before. Like yeah, I it was five years ago. You know. Yeah. He he. I think he knows left and right. I think he gets it. Go back to the phones at
0: 201-939-4513. Line three, Marquez out in California. Good morning, Marquez. How are you?
8: Good morning. How you doing, guys? Doing good, man. Hi. What's up? Well, um, as I was waiting on the phone, like a couple of my points got um, talked about.
0: So That's all right. I mean, what, Marquez, whatever you want to talk about, we're here for
8: you. All right. So, right now, I'm just very excited to see the defensive scheme from James Becher just because it's like a new revamped defense. We've been in 4-3 for the last, what, 10-plus years, you know what I mean? So now I get to see a new defensive scheme with 3-4 that's going to put guys like Olivier Vernon, like a couple guys that was pass rushers, defensive vans has now been changed to linebacker, which is exciting for me, you know. Yep. I've been hearing Olivier Vernon, you know, they were trying to say he's going to have James Betcher was saying he might have a breakout year like Chandler Jones you know, in Arizona, so hearing things like that gets me excited to see, you know, that the defense is going to look pretty much, you know, a little different this year.
0: Yeah, look, I think the new scheme is exciting. Um, I think in the modern-day NFL, it's a lot easier in the draft to find three, four players than it is is three players simply because three, four, in my opinion, is the dominant scheme in college right now. Um, I think it also allows you to be a lot more flexible in how you move people around um more versatile players. I like it.
8: Um and, and another thing I would um the nickel corner position right now, I mean I know it's kinda early to say, but who do you guys think, you know, a couple guys that can go ahead and fill that void for us? Because DRC I feel was a would have been a big impact in this new scheme.
1: Yeah. Well William Gay is number one, the veteran from Pittsburgh, right. And, and, you know, I still think that Dante Dion has a shot to win that job. But Haley was brought in as well uh, as a bunch of, of four or five. I don't know if you want to call them journeymen or not. But Young experienced, veterans. Experienced that? players yeah. who have been brought in uh, off of uh, uh, of other other teams to try to win a spot. I mean, I, I don't, I, you know, it's kind of up in the air right now. I think Gay has the inside track, though, to be the slot corner. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Beyond that... Thank you, Marquez. Appreciate depth, the call, corners then, John. Yeah. And that's why that was one of our targets in the draft. But
0: it's funny. Going through the draft, we picked out a couple offensive tackles we thought might be a fit. And again, we were looking more in need than we were at the board, per se. But corner was another position. But we never really got to a spot where we thought the best player left was a cornerback. No. The best argument could have been made, actually, at the top of the second round. But both of us liked Hernandez so much, it was hard to go away from him. I wasn't passing on Hog Motley. But Mike Hughes was there, and Jack I know Jackson was. was there. So <laughs> I was not again, passing but, on Hog Molly. But do
1: you agree that was probably the that, best that, shot? If you were thinking about value-matching need, that would have been the best spot in retrospect. They would have had to really do it in round two. But again, but they really wanted to. But the offensive line was yeah. just, A, too much of a priority, and, B, Hernandez had a first-round grade on him. Exactly. Pete and
0: Staten now on line four. What's up, Pete?
1: hold on guys what's up hi Pete? hold on one second I want to take you off speaker
0: I appreciate that
1: that's a good idea okay. I like that it means you've been paying attention hey very good what's up Pete <laughs> uh, i'm
3: working at the same time I can't do two things at the same time <laughs>
1: right. anyway
3: uh you know Paul, I went to the tape yesterday i told you I was going to look at Nick gates all right yes He goes to um a couple of games uh, the first game I went to I didn't like it all the the uh, Ohio State. Oh, the game. Ohio State game um,
1: is a bad game. You do not want to look at that. He had a lot of problems in that game. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, listen. You got to look at everything. You know. I know. I know. You know. So you can't just say, "Oh, look at him in Penn State." You know. Well, here's what I would so say, I though. At, when you look at, at guys.
1: And at when you look at guys. One of the reasons why you want to look at some of their better games is because at least you see that he's got the capability to do some of those things. If you just look, and I, I, you're right, you want to look at a, at a full scope of what the guy yeah, has you wanna done. you want to see what he does well when You do, you do. Right. But the point is, if you just wind up looking at games where he didn't do so well, then you really haven't seen any sense of what his potential is. Yeah, you is. want both. You want both. You do. You do want both. Yeah, but yes, without the, a doubt. And,
3: and, of course, you know, when you're going up against Ohio State, of course, you're going against, you know, top-of-the-line guys, yeah. which is what you really want to see. And you know, but I had an open mind, and I said, "Let me take a look." Yeah, I see six five zero seven. His arm length, uh, a little short. He's like a thirty two yep. arm length, and I, you yep. know, for a tackle, you really should be somewhere between thirty two to thirty five. He's a guard, to say man. Thirty two being the
1: dead. Yeah, he, he's, he's going to be a guard be. in this league. That's that's what yeah. he is. He's going to be a guard in the NFL.
3: Yeah, and uh, I, I think right guard.
1: I think, I, you know. It's, Go ahead. No, I, I, I don't want to box him into right or left guard, but I will say this. If there's any chance at all of him gaining some bulk and size and power, maybe he could get away at right tackle because if he's able to lock up on guys quickly and use his power, he might be able to counter some of their speed, which could then camouflage some of his lack of footwork. So I would say I'm not sure which guard he's going to play, but I think for sure if he's to take any snaps at right tackle in the league, he's going to have to get stronger, and it would be on the right side. That's my analysis of him.
3: The only thing I didn't like, Paul, coming out of his his, uh, break, coming out of his stance, Mm -hmm. um, he came out a little high. That was the only thing that I saw. And I picked that up kind of in the Penn State game. Right. But maybe but maybe it was only because he was going against a player that looked more like an outside linebacker than a defensive end. All right. The I, guy he was
1: up against, I think he had about it. I yeah. wanna say at least
3: three or five I, I, inches on the guy.
1: I equate it to the style of blocker he is. There are different styles of offensive linemen, okay? And, and what, what my veteran personnel guy said to me is he gave me the perfect name for it, and I didn't know what the name was for it. I, I, I called him a dancer because what he'll do is he'll shadow a guy, get in front of him, and he'll give ground. He'll yield ground, but he won't let the guy through to make the play. So I said to my guy, I, I was describing this to him, he goes, oh, that's, that's a wall-off blocker. I said, I don't, I don't remember hearing that before. He goes, that's what he does. He walls guys off. He gets in the way, impedes them. He's not driving them. He's not anchoring and standing them up. He's just getting in the way enough that the defender can't make the play. That's which called is what, a wall-off blocker. Which is what you see from tight ends a lot in the blocking yes. game. Yes, you do, John. That's a very good point. That's what Gates showed to me. He's a wall-off blocker, and wall-off blockers will commonly get caught too high yeah. because if they're going to be lower, they're probably going to be drive blockers. Which, by the way, you,
0: you know, a wall-off guy is not ideal from a guard, by the way.
1: Again, right. again, right. You, you know, he's going to need to gain power so that he can be a little bit more of an anchor blocker or more of a drive blocker. He does not have that strength and power right now to do that, which is right. why he's more of a wall-off guy. I think he's definite practice squad material in my mind. I'm not speaking for this team, but I do think he's got potential to make an n f l fifty three strong potential to make an n f l fifty three at least as a backup
3: okay, I got that now I just wanted to say one thing about what you guys were talking about yesterday when you were talking about eric flowers and um you know as far as his uh you know being a little bit more proficient yet uh last year um in his um uh, pass blocking, and I, you know, John, you had made a point, and I think Paul used it too, was the the scheme of play, the way we, you know, I mean, Eli had no time. He had to get rid of the ball. I mean, it was one, two, three, gone. You know, so I, I don't know how uh, pro football focus um, goes up, you know, or makes their numbers, but if you go off the fact that Eli had to get rid of the ball in two or three seconds. Naturally, he's not going to have that many pressures. Right. Um, and 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 of course, his grade or, or Flowers' grade might be a little bit better. You follow what I'm
0: saying? Well, I, mean, here here the, he, well he, he, I think this is how they do it. I think what they'll do on a play, like if they see Flowers get beat. But and, 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 and Pete, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. If they you're see welcome. Flowers get beat but Eli gets the ball out. I still think that's a negatively graded player for Flowers. I might not count as a pressure or a hurry on his stat list because it wasn't technically a pressure or a hurry, but I believe the way they do it. So if you see Eli Flowers make a bad block, but the ball's out already, it doesn't affect the play, he'll still get graded negatively on that play because he didn't. Block well on the play. That's how I think it's done.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know how they define all of their parameters, but I would say this based on the numbers you told us: the percentage of pressures allowed per snap. It sounded like I didn't do the math as you were saying it. That Hart and Pew were oh, actually worse than Flowers was. Correct. No, it was based on ratio. Absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Based on percentage of pressures allowed per snap, yeah. they were they were worse, and Hart was almost. Yeah. Twice as bad. He was 20 and 436.
0: Hart was 25 and 523. Snaps.
1: I mean, and so. Flowers was
0: 27
1: and 1,000. I mean, yeah. Let, 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 you know, and, and, and that, and why do I go to that? Because those numbers are now equated across the board. You're not right. talking about interpretation. You're simply saying they've applied the same rule to every player, and their numbers are significantly worse than Flowers. Now, again, that's hurry.
0: If you count quarterback hits, Pugh only allowed one quarterback hit. Flowers allowed eight. So then that brings the ratio a little bit more equal Well, now you're point. going
1: to start interpreting grades. but
0: Well, again, allowing, you know, that's a plus seven in Flowers' column there as opposed to a right. plus seven. You know what I mean? I so had,
1: um, uh, I'll give you a good example. For sacks, Flowers, I had given up five sacks of the 34, which for me was the team high. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then again, you look at the amount of snaps he played. All right. right, I had John Jerry giving up three and a half. I had Hart giving up three and a half. I had Pugh giving up three. I had team sacks, which is very interesting. Team sacks means the quarterback held the ball. I had Eli giving up five sacks on his own by holding the ball too it long. C- covered sacks. Covered sacks. And I had I had uh, Geno Smith giving up a couple of covered sacks in the Oakland game. So team sacks was seven, which was actually the highest responsibility for sacks. I don't know, does PFF do team sacks? They do not. No, really? Well, I think it's a very subjective thing. It's always subjective. It's always subjective. Let that be a lesson to you, folks, because there is such a thing as team sacks. Coaches do look for that. Interesting how PFF doesn't do that. Wow. That is interesting to me. I can't believe they wouldn't do that.
0: Well, I think if if a player allows a sack, that player gets credit for allowing their man... Gets beats him and gives up the sack, they give the, here's the sack thing. to that player.
1: All right, here's the thing. Look, I,
0: I, I don't know what their grading system is. I can't answer your
1: question. Yeah, questions. but there should be a category for that, and here's the reason oh, I tell you I don't, why. They
0: might have a category. I'm looking at a list of individual oh, okay. players. Oh, okay. I don't okay. know. Okay. I'll,
1: t- I'll <laughs> tell you. I'll, I'll give it, just, let me, let's, let, let's just tell the fans what a team sack is. Let's say, okay, let's say Eli Manning drops back into the pocket. Mm-hmm. He's looking for his first, second, third option. He has three and a half seconds. Okay. Now he decides he's going to roll left because he sees Shepherd coming across the field. Yeah, no he one rolls get left. Credited for that. He gets sacked. Yeah, of course. Well, the defensive end who gets the sack was lined up opposite Flowers. Yeah, my guess Flowers is not getting that sack. My, That's
0: an Eli sack. My guess is that they wouldn't give that sack to anybody. I don't know. And I don't know. I, w- I would have to count how many total sacks the Giants allowed last year compared to their individual numbers. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. Well, my chart
1: does. Right. And I had seven team sacks, five on Eli, two on Geno Smith. The rest of them were on blocking sacks. All
0: right, we got three minutes,
1: Paul. Let's get to a couple more tweets here real
0: quick. Um, Brian Sellers, if the offense has a good year and lives up to its potential, what style of offense will we be able to compare it to historically?
1: We don't know enough yet.
0: I agree with that.
1: You know, we just don't. We don't even know if there's going to be a fullback on this team.
0: Another one. A low-key sleeper for me is Romeo Okwara at outside linebacker. Your thoughts. Is he in the linebacker room? I thought he was he's doing 3-4
1: D-N, yeah, right? Yeah, he's i D-N. I'll tell you what. Romeo was quiet last year after showing flashes as a rookie. He was quiet, and they kept waiting for him to bust out and, and help out and get more snaps, but he did not earn the amount of snaps that I know that the coaching staff wanted him to get. And so he he could certainly use a breakout year. How about that? An argument for me.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. We running out of time? Yeah, I think we can wrap
0: up. we okay. got a minute to go, but I think we're out of things to talk about, so I think we're All good. Right. All right. You have, uh, I'm off the next couple of days. I'm heading down to the nation's capital to see the Yankees play the Nationals. That'll be fun. Go Bombers! Got to avoid the rain, and I'll be back on Friday. <laughs> Paul Lance and Fields will carry you through the next couple of days talking Giants football. And then, of course, OTAs begin next Monday. We'll have coverage for that on Giants.com. Media availability on Monday as well. So make sure you stay tuned for that and stay tuned to coverage of the New York Football Giants the rest of the week only on Giants.com. For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you tomorrow. Everybody, enjoy your day and avoid the rain.